Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. School? Of course, I wouldn't rather you have. What? Exactly. You're, yeah, you kind of have no choice. Like They're coming in in the middle of this conversation. They're going to be like, "What a terrible mother! She would rather have her puke at school, at yeah. shuel, yeah. at sh- at the shul house." All right, City of Ghosts, chapter three. And for the record, of course not. That's where you're home because they love you and I want to take care of you. Okay. You said- you said, well, I'm keeping you home. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't really have a choice. Well, Peyton wants to go on her phone, and I said she has to let me read until no, we I get don't. to part two. <laughs> you don't I mean, want me I to... I do, but like, I'm trying <laughs> okay. to slime, and it's making trouble. That's perfect. Slime plus reading. Here's some sensory for you guys. Okay, well, all right. You're yelling at her. You told me last time. Yelling. To do it. Peyton thinks I'm yelling at her. This no. is what Peyton thinks yelling no, like. No, mom. I'm literally saying. <laughs> I said, well, you were kind of talking to me weirdly last time. Like what? Not weirdly, but you were telling me I couldn't play with it on the podcast, but I wanted to play with it. Well, because it's kind of loud. Wait, I said that I asked you not to play with it because you were like taking the lid off and like making noise, and it was like everything is so amplified when we record. Yep, there it is again. Okay, this, the more we talk, the sooner, I mean, the, the longer it's going to take me to let you play on your phone. Okay, it's my fault. That's right, yeah. it's my fault, and I'm yelling. <laughs> chapter I three. Never said you were yes, you did. Okay, chapter three. <laughs> Before we go any further, I have to back up. You see, there are three things that you need to know. Thing number one for as long as I can remember, I've taken pictures. Dad says that the world is always changing every second of every day, and so is so is everything in it, which means that you are right are right now wait, which means that you you are right now is different than the you you were when you started reading the sentence. Crazy, right? And our memories change too. For instance, I swear the teddy bear I had growing up was green, but according to my parents, it was orange. Oh my gosh, that's like when, what is it called? The, the mandala effect, like when you say, when you hear things and then you hear them when you're older and you're like, that's not the wording. You know what I'm talking about? No. The mandala effect. Uh, okay, I, I have a really good example of this. It was never called the Berenstein Bears. It was called the Berenstain Bears. What? No. There had an A in it. Yeah. Look right here. Berenstain, S-T-A-I-N. Not, like it was like Frankenstein, the Berenstain Bears. Nope, it's the Berenstain Bears. Okay, here's another one. Febreze. Like the commercials would always say it's like a breeze of fresh air, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Febreze only has one E. Yeah. Not two. Wait, what? Yeah. I had Oscar Mayer. Like Oscar Mayer, O-S-C-A-I. Oh, there's a commercial that goes O-S-C-A-R. Whatever. I don't remember how the commercial goes, but it's M-A-Y-E-R. Not Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R. Okay. Okay, here's another one. The Monopoly man has a monocle like around his eye. Nope, mm-hmm. never had one. What are you talking about? He, he had he had like a monocle, like the glasses with the string. Yes, he did. No, he did. Dude, yes he did. Yes he did. Pikachu. 
His tail has a black at the end of it. Nope, never had black at the end of it. Yeah, it's never had it. What are you talking about? Mom, it never had. Oh, my God. Okay, here's another good one. The Snow White on the Seven Dwarves. What does she say to the mirror? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Nope. What? She says magic mirror on the wall. No, she doesn't. I swear. See? You've experienced the mandala effect. It's I know. It's mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the bestest of the all? Who's the fairest of them all? Same thing. <laughs> Anyways, it's magic mirror on the wall. It's true. I actually run back and... and um, what? Yep. Okay. Remember... Do you remember this? Luke. Where it goes... You say it into a fan. You go, Luke, I am your father. Do you know yeah. what that is? Oh. Well, guess what? He never says Luke. What? What? Anyways, all I'm saying is the mandala effect, it's real. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get back to reading. But yeah, mandala effect, it's a real life thing. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Orange. Okay. But my parents say it was orange. But when you take a photograph, things stay still. The way that they were is the way that they are, is the way that they will always be, which is why I love pictures. Thing number two, my birthday is in late March. Right after that place when a season runs together, when the sun is warm but the wind is cool, when the trees starting to blossom but the ground it hasn't quite thawed. Mom likes to say I was born with one foot in winter and the other foot in spring. That's why I can't sit still and why, according to her, I'm always searching for trouble because I don't belong in one place. Thing number three, we live in a suburban, t- a suburban town surrounded by fields and hills and a fair number of ghosts and trees that change color and rivers that freeze for winter and hundreds of picture perfect landscapes. The three things that don't seem connected, the photos and the time and the place, but they're all really important, I promise. Threads in the fabric. For my 11th birthday, mom and dad gave me a camera, the vintage one you already know about, with a purple strap and an old school flash and an aperture that you rotate by hand. All the kids at school used their phones as cameras, but I wanted something solid, something real. It was love at first sight, and right away I knew where I wanted to go and what I wanted to shoot. There's a place a few miles away from our house, a cleft in the hills and where the sun sets. It sets right there, nested between the two slopes like a ball plumped in someone's hand. I'd been there a dozen times, and it never looked the same. I had ideas of this going... I had I, this idea of going every day for a year, capturing each and every sunset. And when I wanted to start, and I wanted to start right then. Remember what I was saying about being born in March? Well, for the first time that year, it was actually warm enough to ride my bike, even if the air still had to bite to it, had a bite to it, as mom likes to say. So I looped the camera purple strap around my neck and took off towards the hill on my bike, racing against the sun, tires hissing over half frozen ground through the streets in the past and past the soccer fields onto the bridge. The bridge, a short stretch of metal and wood suspended over the water, the kind of bridge that you had to take turns because it wasn't wide enough for two people, or for two cars. I was halfway across when the truck whipped around the curve and hurtled towards me. I swerved out of the way, and so did the truck. Tires screeching as my bike slammed into the rail so hard it made sparks fly, hard enough to send me over the handlebars, and over the railing. I fell. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Like a stumble, like a skip, oh, like a a trip, a skinned knee, but it was 20 feet down into the water that had only been days but had been frozen solid. And when I broke the surface, the force and the cold knocked the air out of my lungs. 
my vision went white and then black and then all the time it came back it, I was still sinking the camera that was like a lead weight around my neck pulling me down 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 the river darkened the surface above a shrinking ripple of light somewhere beyond the water I thought I saw someone a smudge of a person all shadow but then the shadow was gone and I was sinking I didn't think about dying didn't think about exactly what the icy water in my lungs pressing weight over the river and even those things started to fade and all I thought was I'm falling away from the light I tell you they tell you to go towards it and I tried and I tried but I couldn't my limbs were too heavy there was no air left I don't remember what happened left next not exactly the world did a kind of a stutter like when a movie freezes or gets jammed, skips forward, and then I was sitting on the on the riverbank, gasping for air as a boy crouched beside me, in jeans and a superhero shirt, his blonde hair sticking up as if he'd run his fingers through it. That was close, he said. At the time, I had no idea. What happened? I asked through chattering teeth. You fell in, he said. I pulled you out. Which didn't make any sense because I was soaked through. I was soaked through, but he wasn't even wet. Maybe if I hadn't been shivering so hard, maybe if my eyes weren't arching from the river, maybe if my head wasn't so full of ice, I would have had noticed that a strange gray pallor, the way, the way I could almost, almost, almost see through him, but I was too tired and too cold. I'm Jacob, he said. Cassidy, I said, slumping back onto the banks. Hey, he said, leaning over me. Stay awake. I heard other voices and then the slam of a car door and the skidding of boots down the half-frozen bank, the distant warmth of someone's coat, but I couldn't keep my eyes open. When I woke, I was in the hospital bed and mom and dad were there, their hands so warm on mine. Jacob was there too, sitting cross-legged in a spare hospital chair. It didn't take me long to realize that no one else could see him. My camera was on the bedside table, the purple strap frayed and the viewfinder cracked. It was it was damaged, but not ruined. Changed, but not destroyed. Kind of like me. A little special, a little strange. Not quite alive, but definitely not. I meant, I can, I can really, I think she was going to say dead. I mean, I can really die. Can someone really die if they don't end up dead? Are they really alive if they come back? The word, the word, for that, seems like it should be undead, but I'm not a zombie. My heart still has a steady thump-thump, and I eat and sleep and do all the things that go with living. Not death. That's what they call it. But I know it wasn't... But I know it wasn't just near. Standing right at the top of it, under it, long enough for my eyes to adjust, the way that they would in the dark room, long enough for me to make the edges of space before drag, before being drugged back to the bright, cold light, in the end, I guess mom was right. I have one foot in the winter and one foot in spring, one foot in the living and one foot with the dead. A week later, I found the veil. Jacob and I were taking a walk, trying to wrap our heads around our strange connection. I mean, I'd never been haunted before, and he'd never haunted anyone when it happened. We were cutting through the empty lot of it, and when all of a sudden I felt the tap, tap, tap of someone staring and the shivery sensation of a spider web on my bare skin. I, th I saw the edge of gray cloth in the corner of my sight. I should have looked away, but I didn't. I couldn't. Instead, I felt myself turn towards it. I caught the curtain in my hand, and for an instant, I was falling again, crashing through the surface of the river, but I didn't let go. 
And when I blinked, Jacob was still next to me. Only he looked solid, real, just as confused as I was. And the empty lot wasn't empty anymore. We were standing inside a warehouse. The crank and clank of meadow echoed off the wall, and someone somewhere else was sobbing. The veil itself didn't scare me, but that sound, the sense of me walking into someone else's life or death, scared me and pulled and I pulled free at that place as fast as I could, wiping the veil as if it were spiderwebs being stuck to my clothes. I swore I'd never go back. I thought that I was telling the truth. But a couple of weeks later, I felt it again, the tap, 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 brush of the gray cloth. And I, before I knew it, I was reaching out, taking hold of it, pulling the curtain aside while Jacob groaned and sulked and grudgingly followed me through. And here we are, one year later. For most people, life and death are pretty black and white. But something happened the day when Jacob pulled me out of the water. I guess I pulled him out of somewhere too. And we got all tangled up. And now I'm all alive. I'm not all alive and he's not all dead. But if we were a comic book, this would be our origin story. When some people get a spider bite or some people get a spider bite or a vat of acid, we got a river. That's cool. I'm glad that they explained the story that he saved her so that we could understand like how they got to know each other, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah.